Welcome to the Life Fellowship Ministries International Broadcast. Our mission is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And now, join us for the Life Fellowship Experience. So we're in this series, Live It. Live It means let's live out what we say we believe as Christian believers. Let's live this thing out. And this morning's message is listen and do, and if you've been coming here for a while, you know that we're going through the book of James, and uh, it's been a, a great series so far. This series is about us becoming spiritually mature believers, and through this series, we've looked at being committed. It's really important that we commit our lives to the Lord, and then uh, after that, we talked about the map to maturity. The map to spiritual maturity is laced throughout the entire Bible. Uh, but James really encourages us to, to become mature believers. Last week, we talked about God's prized possession. James 1.18 says, of all creation, we are his prized possession. So tell your neighbor, you're his prized possession. Say it like you mean it. Come on, say it. You're his prized possession. And when we understand that, I think it changes our walk with him. It changes our life to, to realize that God really does love us. The core scripture for this series is found in James 1.22. But don't just listen to God's word, period. You must do what it says, period. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves, period. James is trying to encourage the believers back then and today to grow and become more mature believers. But don't just listen to his word, but take his word inside, ingest it, and do what he says. In other words, go out and live it. All right. So let's remain strong in our faith. Let's look at James 1, 19 through 27 is, is the uh, passages we'll be looking at today. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all, say all, all. be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And I was, as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about how that this applies to us in our relationships with one another, but are we really listening to the Holy Spirit? Be quick to listen. And I wanted to share a story with you that happened. Um, many of you know that my mom passed away a week ago Saturday, not yesterday, but uh, a week ago Saturday. And uh, Sundays are always really, really busy. You know, I'm pouring out, and, and it's a, a work day. It's a very busy day. But last Sunday was uh, especially busy because I wanted to go. Uh, we were going to a, a pastor's leaders conference in Dallas. And so as soon as church was over, we got in the van, and we took off. And we were trying to get to Dallas before, the, before 6 o'clock that afternoon because they had a praise and worship service at, at the church prior to starting the conference on Monday. And uh, to be really honest with you, I was really hurting. I mean, this was not even 36 hours after my mom had passed. It had been a busy Saturday. It was a busy day driving up there to Dallas, you know, trying to get there before the service started. And, uh, and I knew that I, I really needed to get to that service so that I could have, just be in his presence. There's something that happens when, when we get into the presence of God. And so we've had a night of worship here. I'd like to do that again, and I encourage you to come. But there's something when we enter into worship and just allow the presence of God to wash over us. 
And honestly, I was not really engaged in the worship. I mean, the worship was wonderful, but my soul needed some ministry. And I, I was just there, and I said, Lord, I, I need to hear from you. I need you to wash over me. I'm hurting. I'm in a bad place. I, I wasn't angry at God or anything like that, but I was just hurting. And, and uh, so, you know, there are times when our soul needs ministry. And so while the, the praise and worship service was going on, this lady came up and she said, she told me, she said, I have a word for the Lord, from the Lord for you. May I share that with you? And I said, yes, certainly. And, and in fact, I, I didn't even really look at the woman that much. I mean, after the service, I tried to look around to see who it was. And I'm like, I don't even know what she looked like. And, but it was like the Lord was highlighting something in my life. The Lord was speaking to me. I was crying out and saying, Lord, I'm hurting. I need some solace in my soul. I need some help here, Lord. And so this, this woman came and she said, uh, the Lord has a word for you. He wants you to know that he loves you very much. He wants you to know that he's very pleased with you. And maybe this isn't just a word for me. Maybe this is for some of you here today. He's very pleased with you. And he wants you to know that he's very pleased with the ministry that he's given you. You're doing a great job. Continue on. Keep pressing forward. Don't stop. You're doing a great job. And it was a, a very edifying, encouraging, strengthening word for me. But then she said something that really got my attention. She said, the Lord wants you to know you're a good son. And I was like, who but God? Who but God would know the cry of my heart and know what I really needed right then? And so it was an amazing time with the Lord just ministering to my soul. And, you know, I don't. I don't really have any regrets. We've been caretaking for my mom for about 28 years, and, and things have digressed or progressed to the point where, where it was taking more time and, and energy and effort, and, and, uh, and it was hard sometimes. It was really hard. But, uh, but I really don't have any regrets. I mean, when you lose someone close, sometimes you, you think back and you say, oh, well, I wish I would have done this or Maybe I should have done that, but, you know, before my mom passed, the last few conversations were how much we loved one another. There was nothing left to be said. One of the final things that she told me, she said, I love you forever. But there was nothing left really for us to say, and then for this word from the Lord to come to me, you're a good son, it was just like, wow, God, thank you so much. And so we're talking this morning about listening. Be slow to listen. But are we listening to the Holy Spirit? Because the words that this woman spoke, directed by the Lord, I will probably always remember that. And so as we hear from the Lord and we're dispensers or we're vessels that God uses, it can change people's lives. It can make a, uh, an impact. It can make a stamp on their life that they can look back on for the rest of their life. So are we hearing the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is not only speaking to us, many times He's speaking to us to speak through us to others. You, you know, May of this year, you, you guys all know this, the Lord gave us a word, gave me a word for us. Prepare. For me, personally, I need to 
prepare for my family, for this church, for us. And so the Lord doesn't just speak words to us, just to speak words to us. There's a purpose and a plan. And so James is saying, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen. Are you ready to listen? When you come on Sunday morning, have you come with an expectation to receive? Have you come and, and sat in your posture and you're, I'm ready to listen. I'm expecting in the worship to encounter you. To have an experience with you, to allow you to download into me when you're sitting here on Sunday morning for the, the teaching. Are you ready to receive? Are you saying, Lord, I'm open. What do you have for me today? Because I've come here with great expectation to receive. And he says, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Are we listening to others when they're talking to us? They say, I'm not sure who they are, but they say that Communication is two-thirds nonverbal. I love you. Oh, that's a good thing. Because I'm not really seeing that in your face. And what I love about, the, one of the things I love about this church is the authenticity. We, we all go through challenges. We all have rough times. But one thing that I think we all know is that we truly love one another. So, are we listening when others are speaking to us, are we slow to speak? Do we stop listening when someone is talking to us and formulating a response before they even finish talking? I'm glad my wife is not in here this morning. She's with the youth because she'd be looking at me right now. <laughs> but I think we all do that, right? We stop listening and we begin to think about what we're going to say, especially if it's a difficult situation or it's a, a conflicting situation. We're starting to already prepare our defense. And that's not, that's not necessary. We need to listen. Be slow to listen. Do you answer the question anticipating what the question may be before they even ask it? Are you talking over others and making comments when someone else is speaking? James 1.19, again, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Do you fly off the handle quickly? There's a correlation between these three things. Be eager to listen, be slow to speak, be slow to get angry. If we would do that, I think we would probably have a, a lot less conflict and, and situations in our life that we have to deal with. James 1.20 says, Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Jesus exhibited righteous behavior or righteous anger. He was angry over the perversion of the, the, the people in the temple that were perverting God's intent. He said, this, my house is to be called a house of prayer. Yet they were taking advantage of people. They were abusing their position, and they were not honoring God in the temple. Now more than ever, I believe that we should stand up against ungodliness in our society. Certainly, please, in our church. Um. I was thinking that the word says, or we know, that we're grafted in. Well, let me, let me say it this way. Uh, most of us are not Jewish. 
And so we're considered, the, the Bible calls us Gentiles, non-Jews. The Bible says that we are grafted into the body of Christ, that, we're, that we have this relationship with God through what Christ has done. The, the Bible says also that we're adopted. And I was thinking that if, you, if you're adopted and you do something wrong, you do something bad, Dad, I, I stole some candy at the store. Your dad's not going to say, okay, you're unadopted. You're, you're gone. You're out now. And so the Lord doesn't do that for us. He doesn't do that to us, rather. We're adopted in. We're his sons. We're his daughters. And, and we need to understand that God deeply loves us and cares about us. But we need to stand up for our family sometimes. We need to stand up for righteousness, especially in the church. I know that, you know, we all make mistakes. But listen, there's a standard here that if we say we're Christians, it ought to be proven by the way that we live, by the things that we say, the things that we do. But most of our anger is driven by selfishness, not by godliness. Think about things that make you angry. Does it revolve around you and your desires? Well, I may be angry because I didn't get what I wanted. I'm angry because I was inconvenienced. You know, those kinds of things happen, but does your anger revolve around God's heart and what he wants? Are we ever concerned about what he's wanting in our own life and for the lives of others? James 1.20, uh, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. When we're in our own flesh, when we're only looking out for our interest and we're getting angry, it's probably not the kind of righteousness that God desires. James is giving us insight and instruction to become mature believers, something we all deal with. Verse 21, so get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. This is one of the most powerful verses, I think, in, in the Bible. It has the power to save your souls. The Lord will help us. The Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us if we allow him to. James is writing to believers. And he's saying, get rid of all the filth in your lives. I love it that, that it's not so specific. Because if it were specific, if it were a list, it would be, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm good there, I'm good there, I'm good there, I'm good there. Well, I, let me pass over that one. I'm good there, I'm good there. But he's saying, get rid of all the filth in your lives. Because your filth is different than my filth is different than her filth. And God is saying, get rid of that stuff. Because it's not good for you. Get rid of all the filth in your lives. Get rid of all the evil in your lives. Be humble. And accept God's instruction in your life. Be doers of the word. Not hearers only. Therefore deceiving yourselves. Accept God's instruction. Because we know that he cares for us. James 1.18 Of all creation we are his prized possession. God is looking out for us. You remember our core values of Life Fellowship? Some of you will. Some of you won't. Some of you have no idea. <laughs> but our core values are love, prayer, obedience, humility, teachability, unity, and service. And so those are the core values that God has imparted into us that he wants us to walk in. Being teachable. 
being able to be taught, but also being spiritually mature that we can teach others. Because we know the Word of God, we know the truths and principles that Jesus taught, and we can share those in life application ways with people that need to hear those things, that need help, to be humble, love, prayer, obedience, humility, teachability, unity, and service. Be humble. Be humble. Be obedient. When the Lord is speaking to us, we need to be obedient to what He's saying. Receive God's Word into our life. Let's look at the last part of this, this scripture here. It says, for it has the power to save your souls. The Greek word for soul is suke, and it means your mind, your will, emotions, your passions, your thought processes. We've talked about these a lot before. But James 1.21 says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. You notice he says, who gets rid of it? We get rid of it. We make those choices. We make those decisions with the help of the Lord. I'm not saying we can do it on our own because we can't, but we have the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. And he says, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And what? Humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. And so this is one of the most important things that I think that is, well, it's, the word is all important, but this is a really critical uh, verse for us that we that our soul is saved because listen when we when we accept Christ our spirit man is saved our flesh is just a vessel but our soul is what needs sanctification when I was last Sunday when I was struggling it was in my soul that I needed the Lord to wash over me listen God created us with emotions When Jesus' friend Lazarus died, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. But yet he was, he was going to raise him from the dead. Why was he crying? Because Jesus had emotions. We're, we're created with emotions. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem comes from unhealed emotions, from our woundedness, and things like that. But God created us with emotions. And so we, we need to understand that the work takes place in our soul. Okay, so you're a Christian. You're saved. You ever do anything in disobedience to God? You ever make a mistake? We all do. We all do. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Let me, let me just read on. Let's go back. Let's go into Hebrews uh, chapter 10. The writer of Hebrews is encouraging believers to remain faithful to the Lord. He's saying to stand strong in your faith, to continue to do God's will, and hold fast to all that God has promised us. So let's look at Hebrews 10, 37 through 39. And, and the writer of Hebrews is quoting Habakkuk describing the end times and he says for in just a little while the coming one will come and not delay and my righteous ones will live by faith but i will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away why will he take no pleasure in anyone who turns away because it's relational it's not about religion it's not about keeping the law and all these do's and don'ts it's about this religion I mean, I'm sorry. It's about this relationship. <laughs> uh, have, you, have you ever had the opportunity to, 
to help someone. Maybe you see somebody that's really struggling or, or they're doing things that are really destructive to their life, their family, their marriage, or whatever. And, and you love them and you care and you say, look, you know, let me help you. Let, let's have a cup of coffee and let me tell you what I see happening in your life. It's not good. And they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. And they walk away. How do you feel? If you, I don't know about you, but many times my heart is broken because I see that happening. I really want to help someone, but they don't want any help. And they continue on down a path of destruction. Not only for themselves, but maybe for their marriage, their family, their children, grandchildren, whatever. But God desires to, to have this relationship with us. What, what a wonderful thing that it, it can be so real. That we can go to God and say, God, I'm hurting right now. I need some help. God, my emotions are off the chain. I'm angry. Lord God, whatever. We can just bring those things and know that he is there. He's there for us. He's listening and he wants to help us. But sometimes we need a brother or sister to come alongside of us and say, let me stand with you. Let me hold up your arms. Let me cry with you. Let me rejoice with you. Let me be there for you. So this relationship is vital not only with him but with one another. Let's look at this uh, verse 39. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. What does this mean, turning away from God? It means rejecting God or rejecting God. And, and I think that there are people that say, well, I don't need God. And if you could look inside their heart, you might see that they're so wounded. They have been so hurt. They're so wounded that it's hard for them to receive the love of God. Maybe they've been hurt by a pastor or by a church. You know, maybe it, it's mother and father wounds or something like that that they've been carrying around for decades. And it's hard for them to receive Jesus loves them. Jesus wants to help them. And that's, that's part of the value and, and the, the role of the local church is that we make a difference in the world around us. I'm not talking about in the political realm and all, all of that. I'm talking about in people's lives, in the kingdom of God. We're called to build the kingdom of God. I love this, this nation, but my first allegiance is to the kingdom of God. So we are not like those who turn away from, from God to their own destruction. You know, I, the other thing is I think that there are people that are very stubborn. The word says stubbornness is as witchcraft. They're stubborn. I don't want to turn my life over to God. I'm happy with the way it is. Or maybe too selfish. It's all about me. And making somebody else God of my life. No, I'm not interested in that. I'm the king of my life. I did it my way. I'm like, how stupid can you be? I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I've tried doing it my way. <laughs> or it could be a number of things. Hebrews 10.39 continues, We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. God's love, His Word, the Holy Spirit impact and change our lives through this transformation process that God wants to do in our heart and in our lives. Our soul, again, it's our mind, our will, our emotions, our passions, the desires that we have, our thoughts. 
And having those come into alignment with the Lord and His plan and desires for us is what God wants for us, for every one of us. And again, it's about this relationship with the Lord. I want to look at Hebrews 10.39 in the New American Standard Bible because the translations use a little bit different word here. And I, I want us to really understand that uh, what, what uh, the writer is saying here. It says, But we are not those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. And so this term, this word here, shrink back, uh, uh, means lack of steadfastness. It means unreliability. We are not those who, are, who lack steadfastness. We are not those who are unreliable, that, that are destroying our lives, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. We, pre, we persevere because we have a strong, reliable faith. This Greek word for per, persevering means acquiring, purchasing, possession, possessing, saving, preserving. So, but we have faith to the preserving of the soul, to the acquiring of our soul through Christ, through purchasing, through God possessing our soul. In the New King James Version, verse 39 translates it this way. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. And this Greek word per perdition means ruin or loss. We're not those who, who, who are lost, and, and, uh, and this could be physical or spiritual. We're not those who are dis destroyed. We're not, not those who die are destroyed fully. We're not those, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Our soul is being saved. Our soul is being sanctified. Our soul is being set apart. It's a process. So, again, when we come into this relationship with Christ, we're saved. But, obviously, there's some things that God is still working out in our lives because we see it in Scripture after Scripture James is writing to believers. If all of a sudden when we got saved, we didn't have any more problems, why would he be telling us this? Why would we see it demonstrated in our lives and the lives of others? And so the Lord is saying, listen, I'm doing this work. I'm bringing this health and healing and wholeness to your lives, to your emotions, to your passions. I'm trying to bring you into alignment with my purpose, my plan for your life. Because I want what's best for you. Let's look at this again in the New Living Translation. But we are not those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. So our soul, the soul work, is a work, we are a work in progress. That God is bringing emotional healing to us. There are people, maybe, maybe you are struggling with emotional healing in your own life. Where, God, I need some healing. <laughs> I mean... You know, the word says, out of the abundance of the heart does our mouth speak. Have you ever said anything? And you're like, man, where did that come from? It's coming from our heart. And so, do we have more passion for God than we do for ourselves? Are we, the word says that we are to take every thought captive. Take it into captivity. You know, say, oh, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to fill my mind. James... Um, Philippians 4, 4 through 8 says, Think on the things that are lovely, pure, just, righteous, holy, 
What are we thinking about? Are we thinking about the things of God or are we allowing our mind to drift off into places that it shouldn't go into? I saw this. I don't know who who wrote this, but I kind of tweaked it a little bit. But I want to talk about this next slide. Your thoughts drive your actions. Friday afternoon, you're driving home from work. Your car doesn't just automatically take control and pull into the parking lot and, and, and pull in front of specs so you can go buy a fifth of whiskey. It doesn't just happen. Your car doesn't just automatically go to Skid Row so you can buy drugs. It's a thought. It begins right here. Your thoughts drive your actions. You didn't just wake up and the Bible opened up and you began to read this morning. It was an intentional thing where you said, I want to spend time with the Lord. Where I want to go spend some time with prayer. Listen, our thoughts are not always bad, but where are our thoughts leading us? Because our thoughts will determine and drive us to our actions. Your actions develop your habits. Oh yeah, Mr. Johnson, I see you again. I know you come every Friday at 5.30 and pull into Specs and buy a fifth of whiskey. Because that's your habit. Yes, I see you praying every morning. I see you seeking the Lord every morning. Your thoughts drive your actions. Your actions develop your, your habits. Your habits shape your character. What is your character? Do you have godly character? I know people that are very, very gifted. Given tremendous gifting by the Lord. Yet they're not walking in the fullness of what God has for them because of their character. Their character is flawed. They refuse to yield and allow God to build their character. Your habits shape your character. Your character impacts your destiny. God is more concerned about our character than our comfort. Because He loves us. Have you ever had to discipline your child or your grandchild? Why? Because you're mean? No, because they need it. Because you're helping them to understand. You're, you're wanting them to have godly character. You're wanting them to grow. So the Lord looks at us and he's, he's like, you know what, son? You, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't go there. Because that, that's not reflective of my character that I want to build in you. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Oh, I love this passage. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, Paul is saying, I plead with you, I'm begging you, please, to give your bodies to God because of all He's done for you. When we think about what the Lord has done for, for us and, and, and saved us from, we should desire to submit our lives to Him because of this relationship. And we recognize that He gives us what's best for us. We think that worship is coming in on a Sunday morning or to a worship service and we're singing and we're praising the Lord. But it's more than that. It's a lifestyle. It's saying, I want to be obedient to your word, Lord. What are you, what are you telling me? If I really want to worship you, I need to do what you're asking me to do. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God means you're caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. I want to go back to slide 18. Romans 12, 1 
second half. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship the Lord. So there's some things that we need to do not to perform, but to allow God to do this transformation in our hearts and lives. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Have we set a standard in saying, I'm not going to uh, be driven by the same things that drives the world. I'm going to make a stand here. I'm going to be different. I'm going to live different. I'm going to talk different. I'm going to think different. I'm going to think like God wants me to think. At Life Fellowship, we help people. We help families here. We support ministries that help people. We support local, regional, international ministries. We care for widows and orphans. And we refuse to allow the world to corrupt us. That's a choice we make. You know, it, it, it's really perverted what we see going on in the world today. I, I'm, I think about those SPCA commercials where you got this little puppy dog. Oh, send money, send money. And yet we're, we're murdering millions of babies. Something is wrong with this picture. And, and I always want to say this when I talk about abortion. The reality is there's probably people in here or watching online that have had, had an abortion. Let me tell you, there is grace. There is forgiveness for those things. Okay? There's grace for all of us, no matter what we've done. But when we as Christians, when we as a church turn a blind eye or say, this is okay, there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong when we tell people you can go live any kind of ungodly lifestyle that you want to live, and it's okay, God loves you. Yes, God loves you. But he, he tells us not to do those kinds of things. He loves us enough to say, don't do that anymore. Stop living that lifestyle. The woman that was caught in adultery, brought before Jesus, probably naked. Where was the guy? She wasn't committing adultery by herself. And they were going to stone her. Not with marijuana and Jack Daniels. They were going to kill her. <laughs> and what did Jesus do? He... He, he knelt down and he began to write. We don't know what he was writing, but in my mind, he's writing, Hey, Pastor Joe, weren't you with this woman a couple of weeks ago? Maybe you need to be down here. Hey, Pastor Bob, uh, weren't you with this woman last week too? Oh, oh no, it wasn't this woman, it was another woman. And what happened? They all dropped their stones and left. They all dropped their rocks. And what did Jesus say? You're condemned to hell. No, he said, go and sin no more. They don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. Go and, and sin no more. He didn't say it was okay, but he said, there's grace, lady, for this. Stop it. When we understand God's great love for us, Paul says, even though it's too great to understand, I wish that you could understand God's love, the depth, the width, the height, the breadth of it. 
But God is looking for some mature believers. He's not looking for perfect people. He used some very imperfect people in the Bible and did mighty feats through their lives. And God is looking at your life and He's saying, I'm not looking for you to be perfect. I'm looking for you to be committed. I'm looking for you to obey. I'm looking for people that will just do what I ask them to do and live a life that's worthy of the calling that I've called them to. Our goal at Life Fellowship, one of our goals is is to make disciples. See all of us come into a deeper, more intimate relationship with Him. And the results are that that our life is transformed, our, our families are transformed, and the world around us is transformed because we are making a difference. We're not compromising. We're not saying this is okay. Let me show you a better way. Let me, I'm not just gonna talk about it. I'm going to demonstrate and show you a better way. God's love, His Word, has the ability to transform your life, to give you peace when there should be no reason to have peace, but giving you peace that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's what God is wanting us to to live in. He He didn't just come to die on a cross to save us. He came to give us abundant life that we could walk in the fullness of what He created us to be and to do. When I looked at my mom a week ago, she was laying in her bed. Her body was still warm. She was gone. Her time on earth is over. There's nothing else for her to do here. But that's not true of us. We have a work to do. And part of that work is growing in this relationship with Him, yielding to Him, and allowing Him to work through our hearts and lives to change and touch a lost and dying world. Are you in? I'm in. Even with all my flaws and all my junk, I'm still in and I'm saying, Lord, help me. I'm committed to You. Whatever You want me to do, I'm going to do my best. And when I mess up, I'll repent. I apologize to people that I've hurt if I've, I've, if I've done that, but I'm committed to you. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. This morning, God may be speaking to you and calling you back. Maybe you had a relationship with the Lord at one point in time and you've walked away, or maybe you've never had a relationship with Him. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? Anybody here? Listen, there's no shame in that. Anybody here this morning? Thank you for that. Anybody else? Maybe you're watching online and you, and you say, Pastor Mark, that's me. For those of you that responded and, and those of you watching online, if you would just pray this prayer. Say, Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to restore me back into this relationship that Jesus came and died for and rose again so that I could be reconnected with you. And Lord God, I thank you for this opportunity. And I I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I receive you today. I receive your forgiveness. And I thank you. And I ask you to help me to yield my life to you. Giving it all to you. Making you Savior. Saving me, but also making you Lord. Saying my life is not my own. I'm yours now. 
and I choose to follow you. And I thank you for this new beginning. I thank you for this fresh start. I thank you for this new day. And I ask that you would just continue to help me to grow in you, to grow in this relationship. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. I want to pray one more prayer for those of you that prayed that prayer. Lord, I pray for the fire and the power of your Holy Spirit to pour over them, wash over them. And that as they read your word, your word would come alive in greater measure. As they spend time with you, they would develop a greater sensitivity to your Holy Spirit speaking to their hearts and lives. And that they would choose to yield and obey you. And Lord God, that you would just lead them and guide them, help them to grow in their relationship. So we pray this prayer with great expectation. In the all-powerful, the almighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We hope today's message encouraged you. For more information about our church, please visit our website, lifefellowship.me. We invite you to join us again next week for another life-changing, uplifting message. And remember to live it.